Hey everyone, it's Laura, one-third of Four Collared Girls. We are coming at you from the Sand Gallery located here in Baltimore, Maryland, and we are so excited to share our first of many episodes for 2018. We are Four Collared Girls. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, God. <laughs> we're just, we're not. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2018. We are in good spirits. It is clear that we are happy to be here. So happy, Happy New Year. I can't believe that we are starting a podcast in a new year. Like, this is our first one in 2018. Yes. It's pretty cool. It is. And it's our fourth one. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, it is number yeah, four. Yeah, it's number four, and uh, we're starting things off right with these lovely juices that Laura made us. It's what is what's in it, Laura? She just drank some of it. So carrots, <laughs> apples, ginger, lemon, and I think that's it. This uh, episode, we decided we were going to talk about a really good subject and by the time you guys hear this it'll be the 15th so martin luther king's birthday is that day and what's the subject what are we talking about hashtag coretta's love hey so like not to take away from all the wonderful things that martin luther king has done because he did a lot a lot for the civil rights movement i have a dream he did he had a lot of dreams beloved community mm-hmm. civil rights all of those things voting Right. So, all of that is wonderful and beautiful, but because we are for Power Girls, we are. And this is a podcast about amplifying the voices of women of color. We're going to talk about Coretta Scott King. Coretta. <laughs> Happy birthday, Martin. I'm glad that you were married to Coretta Scott King. Hashtag, your wife did that. Hey. Okay. She did. She really did. So, so, um, Laura, you read her book. What was the book that you read? Yes. So I think when we first decided about this podcast, hashtag Coretta's Love, I think we were going to talk about um, understanding how to, understanding the role of love in, I guess, in supporting relationships. Um, but after I read Coretta's memoir, My Life, My Love, My Legacy, um, I realized that Coretta wasn't really talking about her love as Martin Luther King Jr. She was actually talking about her love, um, for her calling in life, which was justice. Um, one of the many things that she speaks of beloved community, um, and how beloved community is a place where um, any race, age, um, gender is transcended by our love for one another, and really how her call in life was to embrace all of humanity because she was so struck by the oppression of humanity and the oppression that she experienced herself uh, growing up in Alabama and living in a time where there were white terrorists who every single day terrorized her family. And living through that was very traumatic. And it made her, I mean, it made her resilient, but it also like equipped her to be this powerful woman um, 
who could empower her husband. And it's very interesting in her memoir, she is, everyone will call me Mrs. King or um, that's Martin Luther King's wife. But before Martin and even after Martin, she had a purpose, which was justice. Um, And that just comes, that's just who she is. And so it's really interesting to listen to this part of Coretta in her own words. And this is, I think, another reason why it's so important for all of us to share our stories um, because our voices are really important. Um, And to hear Coretta's voice through this book was just powerful and realizing that her love was not just her husband. So that's all. So I think um, to be, to make sure that um, we're being clear here, um, I don't want to continue this narrative of like pitting women against men or saying like because of Coretta's strength Martin was able to because he had his own agency he was only his own man but I think that in a lot of ways when we speak about partnerships when we speak about relationships and um, if one person in that relationship is um, kind of like the star or the face of a movement we tend to forget about the partner that was there during the whole thing, during that the whole episode of like their life. And he didn't do this alone. And it wasn't just with other men who were in the struggle. Like he had a whole wife and a whole family. And there's no way that I don't think that he could have made it through some of the things he did without Coretta, right? It's, it's about acknowledging the fact that uh, black women women have been supporting society forever and we we rarely get the we rarely get the credit the thank you the public thank you is always like who's close in the circle knows that yeah this couldn't happen without you baby all that stuff but just given uh the thanks the gratitude that is due to these women that are supporting whole movements and having families and being a wife and being themselves like that's a lot that's a whole lot of hats to wear and to wear successfully and I think Coretta was one of those women who did it and did it well and she did it and she got to live a whole life as opposed to Erica Garner who died at 27 from the stress of being a supporting factor of of a supporting factor of the movement that is now no. May she rest in peace. Yes, yeah. may she rest in peace and power and, yes. and comfort, right? Hmm. Yeah, there's just... And I also think it speaks to the the amount of work that women put into a lot of movements that don't get talked about. Mm-hmm. Actually, back in November, Code Switch had a podcast called Disrespect to Misrespect. And um, they spoke about this woman, Mary Hamilton, and she was like a freedom writer. And she did a lot, like she went through a lot, but we don't hear about her story as much. And um, and so in bringing up Coretta's love and bringing up um, other women who, uh, specifically women of color, who have did and still do justice work, um, really uplifts the whole movement it, it talks about how um like this work requires so many of us and i think we still we need to keep keep like 
talking about about women who like who do the work and that don't get a lot of uh, credit for it. Um, so yeah, so I'm glad that we're here talking mm-hmm. about Coretta and um, and people like her and women like her who are and will be doing work um, in justice and, and and have or and no longer are. So yeah, I think sometimes when we have this conversation in mixed company. When I say mixed company, I don't mean like race. I mean like men and women. Mm-hmm. It gets, uh, it can get blurry. Like, what you mean they don't get no credit? What you mean? Like, we know. It's not about taking any way, anything away from the from the amazing male leaders and role models that we have. It's, it's affirming and confirming and like appreciating the fact that these people would not be here, to be honest, without these women. Right. Without their mama without their aunties, without their wives and their sisters and the church ladies mm-hmm. that would fold up the the uh the like pamphlets that they hung the bulletins that they that passed out at rallies. Mm-hmm. Like the unsung heroes that don't get no play. Mm-hmm. And it's a I, that's why it's really awesome that we get to talk about this in two thousand eighteen. We get to remember out the women that came before us and that made it possible that we can sit here. Right. And have these conversations. Right. Because it's it's tough out here. Yes. And I'd also say like sit here and name how much women were a cornerstone for the movement. Because I think when we sometimes talk about activism, it's easy for us to just focus on one individual, you know, Martin Luther King, but then acknowledge like how so many people are a part of that role of civil rights, that role of justice. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to briefly read um, just a part of um, her memoir from the introduction. And these are Coretta's words. And she reflects, did Martin ever understand how deep my inner calling was? I don't think so. It transcended even our marriage and he sometimes struggled to capture its essence. Once we were talking about the importance of ensuring that our children receive a proper amount of attention from their parents. And he blurted out, you see, I'm called and you're not. And I said to him, you know, I've always felt that I have a call on my life too. I have been called by God to do something too, and I have to do it. I was married to Martin, but I was even more married to the movement and its mission of helping to create a beloved community of compassion, justice, and nonviolence. And when I hear those words, it's almost this just testament for all activists never to forget what called them to act in the first place. Mm-hmm. That even when you're standing on the front lines or even in partnership with someone, know why you're doing it, know why you're there. And to know that Coretta wasn't just Martin Luther King's wife, she was her own activist. Right. And I just think that sometimes we put her in this one role and she even speaks to that. Like, I wasn't just a wife. Like, I was there. Right. And then after, even after he died, she continued. Uh Right? Uh Um, Yeah. And so I think there's a level at which when we have these discussions or when we are talking about people and naming them, um, that we are also saying that they are their own person mm-hmm. outside of the person that we revere, right? And so focusing on Coretta and her love 
not just for Martin Luther King, but for her call for herself, for the cause, for the cause, um, is for me personally, very um, encouraging um, and empowering. For me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that like who we are, what we stand for, that this work we're doing right now is because we have a love for the call that we've been given, right? Um, and it's not on the basis of some other human being and like their worth, making our worth something. But like, no, we here doing this because this is what we're called to do. So um, yeah. So I hope if you're listening to this that you feel encouraged. Like if if you like feel really compelled and impelled to like do work, and if you are doing work, listen to this. You know, and your love for that work is is like dope, right? nonviolent protest campaigns against racism and segregation in cities across the South as well as in, the, in Chicago, Cleveland, and other cities in the North. During this time, I had three more children and participated in movement activities as much as possible. People ask me how was I able to do this and raise four children at the same time. I can only reply that when God calls you to a great task, he provides you with the strength to accomplish what he has called you to do. Faith and prayer, family and friends were always available when I needed them. And of course, Martin and I always were there for each other. I learned that when you are willing to make sacrifices for a great cause, you will never be alone because you will have divine companionship and the support of good people. This same faith and cosmic companionship sustained me after my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength to make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. On March 31st... I don't know where I read this. Somewhere I read this. Or saw a video about this girl um, taking out her braids and how black hair and how taking, how, why the uh, hair, black hair is a political statement. Just being yourself and taking care of your own hair and not straightening it, not putting it in a way so it conforms to European beauty standards. That's a radical political rebellion revolution in itself, right? Right. Um, it just had me thinking, what if taking care of yourself is a revolution? Yeah. What if... And that's what Audre Lorde speaks to. Yeah. That a part of the resistance is self-love. Yeah. Self-preservation. Right. But I feel like, you know, as black women, there is a trend of us saying that. But how do we really live into that? Like, mm-hmm. some of us want the... T- Ten, five, six best steps to like love yourself this year but when I think about Coretta's words when I think about um, her experience like how do we just why don't we spend the time cultivating that for ourselves 
like really just spend some time as we spend time watching she's gotta have it as we spend time flipping through instagram also spending time just intentionally figuring out what does it mean for us to love ourselves mm -hmm. you know i love that y'all went to the spa like you took the time <laughs> oh my god sure we're gonna hours. go to the spa Four hours. oh my gosh and you know that you did that but like let it not just be one day like right. let it be a part of your life to invest in your self-care and let it not be something that you just look up online yeah for inspiration but you know as much as we want to explore vocation who we want to date why don't we explore how to take care of ourselves bingo right. could it have something to do with could it have something to do with like guilt and judgment and, sh and a little bit of shame when we're supposed to take care of everyone else and then say that moment like say something happens while you're at the spa and then you get well if you would have been here Da, 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 what to happen is like hold up wait i just wanted the hour for myself to mm -hmm. take care of myself so what if it's like that kind of thing did i say that right yeah, yeah. Did. Okay. i think that's part of it i also think we need to redefine what that means taking care of ourselves i think we need to give ourselves permission to do things and to accept that as also a form of self-care so like like you were saying you know people being online or doing instagram but like Sometimes, like, just checking out mm. is self-care, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be something extravagant. It doesn't yes. have to be, like, going to a spa, although that's a, a beautiful gift to give to yourself. I'm yes, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, sometimes, like, self-love, self-care um, can come in a form of doing nothing. Mm. It can. It really can. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think we just need to um, continue to, like, redefine that for ourselves. Uh-huh. And I think that comes with knowing who you are and that that part, allowing yourself to know who you are, um, allowing yourself to be your own person um, and loving what you're called to do and loving um, like all the gifts that were given to you um, becomes like your your map for how you love on yourself. So yes. just exploring those things. So, okay. I mean, I think it's a good to encourage people, like, write, write those things down, right? Uh -huh. Write the stuff you're, you're finding out about yourself. Take time to breathe. Um, Ooh, take a deep breath. Oh, my goodness. That helps me every day. Ooh, usah, right? <laughs> like, just taking time to be with yourself and know your own personal worth, mm. I think, is worth... Um, is worth your time Definitely. yeah yeah so i'm going to share another quote mm -hmm. uh miss coretta scott king writes i'm proud to have been a wife a single parent and a leader but i am more than a label i'm also coretta and just fucking mic drop <laughs> yes. yeah. right you know like she, in her memoir, knows how powerful it is for herself to name that I am Coretta. Right. I am this person that was, you know, yeah, I carried these labels, but all these labels didn't define who I am. Right. Like, my life, my love, my legacy is me. Mm. Um, mm. And I just wish that as activists, as artists, as preachers, um, as women, black women who are sometimes quick to give ourselves rather than to care for ourselves, mm -hmm. um, that that is something that we just take to heart, um, really spending time discerning, living who we are. 
Right. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Coretta. Thank you, Coretta. knowing that there's still these pressures of being a mother, being a wife. And um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to say, like, I think motherhood is is one thing. And I think being a wife is another. I think, I just, okay, so hear me out. So I think, I think that, like, when we define ourselves as mothers, I think that, um, or parents, okay? So let's just say parents because there are different levels to being a parent. There are, you know, just to include the many different um, genders that are included in parenting. Um, that in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot of pressures to be a certain way, to to make sure your child is safe. And, and I think, I mean, I will say, I think that we do a pretty darn good job. <laughs> I'm going to pat myself on the back. Um, <laughs> but, um, but this defined role as a woman who is worthy of a man's love, mm. to me, is a little different. I just think that that, that narrative that we get fed, um, especially, especially in churches, mm. um, that needs to be... That needs to be talked about and, and challenged mm-hmm. um, because it not only like has a very narrow view of what it means to be a woman um, it also like really pigeonholes like our lives like into this tunnel of just being someone's wife just being someone's partner and being like a good wife right a virtuous Hmm. Proverbs, what is it? Thirty-one, thirty. I can't. Yep. All right, yeah. All right. All right. So I'm I'm single out here, shagging and dragging in these streets, shorty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maya, what's shagging and dragging? Um. No. <laughs> I'll. I'll <laughs> no. No. We're gonna say that for another yeah. podcast. Um. <laughs> um. So. My 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 viewpoint viewpoint on it is oh, this is crazy because I took a I took a quiz this morning that told me I wouldn't get married until I was in my forties, right? And when I was when I was like twenty twenty one, that shit would have devastated me. Like, oh Lord Jesus, I'm gonna be by myself till I'm forty. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm technically not by myself at all. That's like the first thing. Like, right? I'm not by myself. I have great I have a great support system. Like, I may not always realize that when I'm in my stuff but I have a great support system I have really decent friends really amazing friends actually I go to an amazing place I work at an art gallery like I have a lot of things that's going for me that when I was younger I didn't think that that those were valid things I needed a man I needed to be in a relationship I needed to be fussing with a man so I'm a woman and he loves me and that's why we fussing mm-hmm. whereas like now I'm like I don't 
those things do not give me validation anymore. I don't seek them as validation anymore. And some of the things that I hear people talking about, I'm like, that stuff doesn't matter to me. Like, is it gonna pay my bills? Right. Like, is it gonna make me happy when I'm three o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep? Is it gonna give me that yes, peace Jamel and joy? Woods. Like, <laughs> it's not. It's, right. it's all those other things that society tells me I need to be. I should like. I'm 26, so I should be about to get married or with a certain, been in a serious relationship or mm-hmm. been somebody's. I mean, I'm from the city, so I should have. I have should have been someone's mother by now, like. Statistically, right. So, like, all those things are supposed to define me and supposed to make me the woman I'm supposed I'm meant to be by society's terms. But it doesn't mean anything to me. I can't seek the validation. I don't let it stick to me. You know, like, I find validation through like planning a great event and Mm -hmm. it going out to fruition and everything happening. Like, or well, the validation is the things that fulfill you. Yeah, right? right. They're not the things that control you or label you right and I think that's important you know for us to stop being validated by what the world measures Mm. and to start being validated by By yourself by by what we define validate yourself (laughs) (laughs) so it's fine I think it's fine if someone's like yes I want to be a wife but understand and really name for yourself what does it mean for you to be a wife right not just how the culture defines it not just by your economic status or like what you see in books and fairy tales a wife to be but what does it mean for you in your beauty and your divinity and all that what does it mean for you to be a wife Um, what does it mean for you to be a mother what does it mean for you to be a sister what does it mean for you to be anything that you want to be want to be right what does it like for you in your own words and language to define that right yeah so yeah use your like you all and that's the thing like we all have the agency to do that (coughs) all of us do but some of us don't know that we do i know caught up in the cycle right and then you wake up you're 45 and you have two kids and you're married to somebody that you don't like right and you're like damn I should have been a hoe. Lord have mercy, not a hoe. But no, like shagging and dragging, shagging and dragging. So loud. Okay, so right, so right, right, right. Okay, that's good. That's good. That leads me then into my Bible story, because yeah, biblical experience is the human experience, yo. Stay woke. Okay, so the thing about. My Bible story. The reason why I picked it, it might seem a little far <coughs> off from Coretta's love um, and our topic, but it's not. It's not. Um, I choose and chose to uplift the story of Ruth because I feel like the story of Ruth got hijacked by our churches. <laughs> Get your Boaz. <laughs> right. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, y'all. Yeah. I'm done. Okay, so was, I can, okay, I, if you do not know about this, and that's okay if you don't, I invite you to Google the phrase, finding your Boaz. Boaz is spelled B-O-A-Z. And you will find a plethora of commentaries and how-tos, books, and sermons t-shirt i mean there's just so much of it it was i saw someone was like get off your ass and find your boys i'm just 
And so, again, this whole topic of finding your Boaz has everything to do with our women identity and finding the right husband and being the right wife so you have the right husband and staying celibate, which is, I'm, I'm about to blow y'all minds about this story though, but that's fine. And, um, and being virtuous and humble and doing all the things that Ruth did in order to find this like um, humble and an amazing rich man like Boaz who took her in and let's just be clear the story of Ruth is not about finding her Boaz the story of Ruth is about a woman named Ruth who made a decision to make a covenant with her mother-in-law and once Naomi both of her sons died and she realized they are three widows hanging out all together by themselves and that life was not going to be easy for them together Naomi does this thing where she's like listen you are no longer bound to me go back Naomi is is an Israelite and um, Ruth is a Moabite so she's a foreigner and she, she, she tells her you can go back you can find yourself someone else you do you're not bound to stay with me and there's another daughter-in-law Orpa, Orpa, thank you. Mm -hmm. Another daughter-in-law, Orpa, who is like, okay, bye, 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 Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> That's and there's nothing wrong with her doing Absolutely it. Absolutely not. <laughs> Naomi gave her that blessing, and so she left, and that was fine. But Ruth did not want to leave her mother-in-law for whatever reason. They don't tell you why. They just say she wanted to stay there, so she makes this covenant with her: wherever you go, I will go. I will. Wherever your people are, I will be, right? Your God, I will. that will be my God as well. And people like to quote this, like, this is such a virtuous thing. Yes, and also, but it was with Naomi. It was, it was her love for her mother-in-law. And she also saw that, she, that her mother-in-law needed her as well. It was more about her honoring this older woman that she did not want to leave alone mm -hmm. to survive on her own. Mm -hmm. That is the beautiful virtue of Ruth. Mm -hmm. That's what she did, right? It wasn't about her finding Boaz. Boaz was the means to survival. Like, Can you we, say that again? Okay. Boaz was the means to survival. There we go. In that time. In that time. And like, so, so, okay, so if that's your goal in life is to find a means of survival... Kanye West has a song about that. <laughs> okay, but, but I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm not gonna call. Like, I'm not trying to like have this conversation about like gold diggers and like, and because there's there's everyone has their thing. Okay, so that's not what I'm here for. But if you are going off the story of Ruth as a cat, like as a um, a way in which you're finding a husband, let me tell you how that actually looks. <laughs> Okay, Ruth was about 40, Boaz was 80, okay, <laughs> Ruth is a foreigner in a strange land, she goes with Naomi back to her hometown, and then she has to get food and money and things so that the two of them can survive. Now Boaz's decision to protect her is very much great because this is a society in which because she's a widow because she's 
you know, still within the way and, and um, the age of, even though she's 40, she's still within the age of having kids or whatever. She could, she could very much be harmed, raped, all those things. That is a real reality for her. So Boaz saying to her, I mean, being like, I don't know, a decent human being is not at all like something we need to continue to make it seem like he's just this wonderful human being, like this wonderful man. He does something that we would hope most human beings would do in this situation. Not all do, but he does something good. Very nice of him. Thank you, Boaz. He lets her gleam in his... And then he also tells uh, his servants, like, leave some extra out for her so she can have enough. And he does these things because he realizes what she has done for Naomi. Mm -hmm. Like, because she is taking care of Naomi. And that is something honorable. That's why he does it. Now, the story continues on... And Naomi's like, look, we got to get you a man. <laughs> we need to survive. We need to survive. This ain't working for this me. This ain't no working. <laughs> she's like, good, you found Boaz. He's that dude, right? <laughs> He's the one. So she goes and she says, look, and they about to have some potties. He's about to get a little smashed. And then he's going to go down to the threshing floor. So wait till all of that happens. Then put on your little nice gown, smell goods. And go to him in the threshing floor. He gonna be, you know, a little happy at that point. So, I'm, look, I'm just giving it real. So you putting a D. That's how you put your homeboys D. Right. <laughs> like, she gonna be here. She gonna be here. She's like this. <laughs> Smell good. And go. And go. <laughs> right. Go so, Ruth shows up. And <laughs> Naomi says, lay at his feet. Now, Feet in the biblical text, in the Hebrew biblical text, is a euphemism for the male genitalia. Ha! Ha ha! So, so all these sermons here about, you know, prostrating yourself at the man's feet, I'm trying to tell you that's not what you think it is, boo. So don't do that just... unless you bow ready, okay? <laughs> so Ruth goes, I'm just saying, these are the things that people need to know. They are. Okay. I'm listening very Ruth intently goes right now. to Boaz and uncovers his feet. Alrighty. And lays with him. And then he wakes up because he is now after having these drinks and he wakes up and he's like, Whoa, whoa. Who is this? And she tells him who he is. And then he's like, Alright, well, you know, I don't want you to leave. <laughs> You don't have to go. I don't want people to see who you are. Just leave in the morning. I'll give you some grains. You can you can lay here at my feet. But she just laid there, though. Like that's just is nothing. that what you think? Do you re- you're not just really you're gonna not, lay there? You're, does that what you think? I don't think she just laid okay. There. She, so okay, <laughs> Maya, Maya just mouthed something. <laughs> but okay, so so listen, I am telling you this story not to perverse the beautiful biblical story of Ruth. Because I think that story is actually an amazing tale of a woman who decided for herself that she was going to stay with her mother-in-law for whatever reason she stayed, to love and care for her. And she did it in different ways. Part of that is going to Boaz and winning him over in a way, right? And and he then, he he sees her, he's like, all right, 
I'll see. There's somebody else. Actually, there's another Ken who is um, actually, like, he has the right to marry you before I can. So let me go to him and ask him if he wants to marry you. And this this next of Ken, this cousin, was like, well, the land sounds real good, but I really don't want to marry that woman, right? And so he's like, no, it's all yours. So Boaz takes her, Ruth, and takes in the land that now belong that belonged to Naomi's husband. Mm-hmm. And now Ruth is his wife, and they have a child who becomes... Obed. Yes, Obed, who is like the next descendant to David. So the line is Obed, and then there's... Um, I think there's another... But anyway, this is where David comes in, right? Because this, this story is leading us to the King David. Mm-hmm. And King David leads us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this is the lineage. And Ruth is, Ruth is called out in Matthew as part of that lineage with Boaz. But this whole, like, <laughs> ideal of, like, finding your Boaz, unless you are saying that you want to find a man that will help you financially sustain yourself, even if he's 80 and you're 40, then let's stop talking about finding your Boaz. How about find yourself, Mm. and then when you are ready, and if you are still with someone that you love, that is part of that finding yourself, that like like adds to those layers of who you are in a beautiful way good job it sounds like sounds like he was he was playing for the paying for that good young whippersnapper i mean she was anna nicole smith (laughs) (laughs) you had the most Hit me out for a second. All right. So, like, but you saying Boaz was old as dirt. Yeah, he was old, old as dirt. I'm not saying he was bad or nothing, but he was old as dirt. He was old. Mm-hmm. Ruth, this young hot whippersnapper, you know, mm-hmm. she doing what she got to do to make sure she going to get it. And she's, she peeped him, peeping her, peeping him, and Naomi like, mm-hmm, I peeped that too. Gone. Gone marry him. Right. In the wheelchair. I couldn't <laughs> And, like, say what you want about women who marry older men to be well taken care of makes sense like if you know you if you know that the life you came from and you got these things and you want to take care of yourself and not just you the 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 elevation to your life not only affects you affects your family that you are also taking care of why not you know, Boaz doesn't sound like he hits her or that he's mean or that he's... No. Un- and, like, if you find someone that cares about you enough to not only take care of you, but to take care of your family, do that. Yeah. You know? I mean, and he and what he does is it's slick, right? He goes to the cousin and he's like, so, you know, you know, there's a Naomi's back. She's got a daughter-in-law, and there's, there's somebody need you know what I mean. So he he does all the things right, and that's not to take away from the actions that he did in order to actually protect Ruth and Naomi in this way. But really, the the book is called Ruth, mm-hmm. so it's about her, mm-hmm. and also it's about her love for Naomi mm-hmm. and what she's willing to do for with that love to the point of marrying Boaz. And going to the threshing floor. <laughs> okay? So, I mean, 
I mean, if that's your goal in life, fine. But can we please stop this whole narrative that really just feeds into the same stuff that churches do with, like, women and defining us as, as like, mm, like <laughs> defining us in a way that's, like, you have to find your right person. And he needs to be like Boaz. Mm-mm. Does he? Nope. Because what if you're not looking for that? Does he? Really? What if you are your right person? <laughs> right. Why can't I be my right person? And the man who I, who is going to be my partner, he's just going to be that man. And I'm happy with myself. Like, mm. I just, yeah. So I, Again, that's, why I, and that's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very important that you brought it up. Yeah. Because, yes, the book is about Ruth. The book is about Ruth's love, and Ruth's love really um, manifested in me to actually be an act of faithfulness, too. Um, Faithfulness to knowing Naomi's God and how Naomi's God leads to something that she can't even imagine in the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it is a powerful story. (laughs) Also, now that you shared... I also think that like finding your Boaz is like finding your eighty-year-old man that will give you money for the rest of your that's life. That's what I'm trying to tell <laughs> you. Yeah, it's just kind of like wow. Oh, that's not actually that's what. That's not was... what I'm no. supposed to think about. And the story is not. It, the story is supposed to be like this is how we get to David. You know what I'm saying? And it's through this woman, who who decides that she was no longer like. She gave up her own rights to be, to go back and be a Moabite, live with her family. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's more or less virtuous than what Orpah did. It's, they just made different decisions. They just made decisions that worked for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And Ruth made a decision out of love, like Coretta made a decision out of love for justice. Mm -hmm. And so like, so that's where we, that's where we need to go with it, y'all that'll preach i'm just saying like let's let's take back that story shall we let's take back that story and give ruth the credit that she deserves in the war in the work that she did in order to take care of someone she loved Mm -hmm. and that was her Mm mother-in-law Just to piggyback off what Laura just said, like it was, it was Coretta that Martin loved. It wasn't, she wasn't a mother when he married her. She wasn't a wife when he married her. She was Coretta, and it was that woman, that that spunky woman who was a concert singer, like a trained, cons beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Make sure y'all go check it out down in Atlanta, the Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott Memorial. Mm-hmm. Dope. It was her that that inspired him to take that next step inspired him to go to to some of the places that he went it was her love and her steadfastness and her like "Uh uh-uh get up boy like telling some real things to help him become that so no like being yourself can change the world Mm -hmm. and you can go from Coretta Scott King or you can go to Cardi B like (laughs) Mike gonna bring Cardi B in (laughs) like these women are we can not even her you can go from Coretta to us there you go you know we can go from us each in our own way being ourselves and finding who we are and claiming that and just being that Mm -hmm. no matter how tough it is no matter what pushback no matter what nobody think you know you are being yourself and that's what's going to change the world you that's what's going to change your world and your world changes the world you know right so yeah like girl that that woman
not gonna disrespect her by saying the B word because make sure you rest in peace. Right. Yes. Amen. <laughs> you got a word for us, girl? Um, let's see. Okay. What is supposed to define me? The labels that is put. <laughs> what is supposed to define me? The labels that are placed by society? Mother, wife, sister, whore, slut, friend. Am I any of those things or, I am, or am I just me? See, I used to seek it. Validation from any person that would give it. See, speak it, see it, live it, love it, thrive. So I thought from it. But then it stopped coming. No more good jobs. No more you're beautiful in the mornings. It was just me. Who am I? Without baby girl being attached to my name. Who am I? Without that's my child. Every time I walk on stage, who am I? Without, oh my gosh, I love my auntie Yaya so much. Who am I? I am me. Full, empty, hungry, starving, fed, broken, whole. I am me. Peace. I think, yeah. That was good. Well, well done. Alrighty. I mean, damn. Okay. <laughs> right so we made it to oh. the end of a whole episode we had a lot going on there's a lot going on y'all y'all know we had the giggles earlier <laughs> i sang all suggestively to somebody oh my gosh <laughs> the bloopers for 2018 we were great real lit. <laughs> so don't forget to follow us follow us on instagram twitter facebook at Four collared girls, and that's collared like the greens, y'all. Mm-hmm. Ayo. Mm-hmm. I am Tamika, and my Twitter handle is TJ underscore Sings. You can follow me there. Um, yeah. I'm Laura. My Twitter that I use from time to time and never <laughs> is at L Kiggy. <laughs> like never, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> this girl Holly is on Facebook. I, I remember I tweeted once, <laughs> and I was so excited when the person responded back to me. So that's all. We're gonna get Laura to do a little bit more of that. I'm learning, she's learning. Um, I'm Maya Camille, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Camilla the Killer underscore. That's C A M I L L A. D-A-K-I-L-L-A and the underscore is like right beside the hyphen on the keyboard. But yeah. Thank you. Follow. Follow me, ho. <laughs>like what you hear which i know you do please go to www.patreon.com slash for collared girls and you can continue to support our amazing voices and podcasts and all of this amen